Here we go. Okay. So, um, so just just to highlight a little bit um, of what we have going on this morning is is we have these families uh, and these beautiful kids coming up here today, and and uh, the the purpose of what we have today is really just to dedicate these children uh, to the Lord with the idea that um, that these families are very purposefully raising them uh, as as men and women, or will be men and women, uh, chasing after and and pouring after God's heart, and uh, so that's just. Uh, and, and also, too, um, as, as you guys are all here today, and as, as we are a congregation of Oak Ridge, just to know, too, that, yeah, lopsided stage, that would be no good. We'll throw off the whole building. Um, just to know, too, as, as you guys are here as a congregation to do today, that, that we certainly don't have the responsibility that these fine, uh, these fine parents have, but we do have uh, an awesome opportunity to be able to help and support them as the family and of the body of Christ. And so... Um, awesome. So we're just going to introduce them. And uh, Mike, do you want to start us off, please? And, and uh, we'll just introduce the families and, I will, I will, I will. and uh, pray for them. All right. Good morning. Good morning, church. How are we doing? It seems fitting that uh, this child dedication be on Father's Day. And we've also invited the grandparents up this morning. Just um, as, as I think about you know, the little ones God's blessed me with and now grandchildren. Just how, how do I impart this precious gospel? How do, I, how do I transmit that to the next generation? How do I carry that? How do I give that away in such a way that this little person is going to understand and acknowledge uh, that Christ is a Savior? And, and it's a very difficult thing to do in some ways. Um, just the, the challenge of that as a parent. So, James, Allison, we join with you in that intentionality, that purposefulness of, of bringing the gospel to a young life, of, of living in such a way that they would catch the vision of giving your life away uh, to others and, and, and living for the gospel. So thank you for your dedication to this church and to these little children. So, uh, so might we pray? So grandparents, I, 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 I'm with you. <laughs> and we... And we, we together accept responsibility for and stand with James and Allison as they raise their children. So let's pray for a little Benaya, right? So you got to tell me about this name. That's, that's, not a, that's not a household name. Yeah, so here, do you mind if I... So Benaya means Yahweh has built. And so uh, just looking back for uh, Allison and myself, just seeing how God has built our life. And, and so wanted to uh, name him for us to remember, but also, you know, as he grows old, to, to be able to look back at his own life and see how God has built, built his life as well. So. Well, let's pray, huh? Lord, we thank you for little Benaiah. We thank you for your grace in giving us children, that they're such a blessing, such a gift, such an uh, enrichment to our lives and purposefulness and the care and the uh, uh, dedication that James and Allison have shown and uh, given their life to this, to this little boy. We ask you to bless his life. We ask you to raise him up that he might grow in grace and in favor with you and with men. And uh, Lord, that you would bless this child. We dedicate him to you today. We, we lay our intentions down at the altar and we ask you to bless uh, this little one and this family. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So, 
This might help. Yeah, here we go. So over, over here we have the Joneses and, and Baby Brook. Hi. Yes, hello. Yeah, okay. That's all right. Um, all right. So um, Jonathan and Jennifer, I don't know if you guys want to say anything. I'm putting you on the spot here. Sorry. You don't have to. Okay, so um, uh, Brooke is actually kind of the reason we're here. Uh, I got married um, right before my senior year of college, and uh, after we got married, a couple months later, found out we were pregnant, and so we were like, okay, we gotta be close to grandparents. So I was looking around, found APL, and was like, okay, this is where we're gonna be, and uh, and and then we, we we found a place. We uh, we had Brooke. She was healthy, happy, and. Uh, it's really just been a huge blessing uh, having her and, and having the support from, from everyone around here, too. It's, and, and family, obviously. Grandparents are here. Other grandparents are close by, too. And so, yeah, just really thankful. Well, let's pray over baby Rook. Father God, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for um, just an opportunity, God, to, um, to be here, God, and, and to focus on Brooke. And we thank you for not just her life, God, that... Um, that we see here today, God, but the life that is coming forth, God, that, that you would help Jonathan and Jennifer and, and their whole family and, and us as well, God. Um, help this to be a life that celebrates you, that knows you and, and loves you and, and runs after your heart, God. That, uh, mm -hmm. God, that Brooke would just, um, just be a, such a strong woman and a known woman of God. And we just pray that for her life, God. Amen. All right, then we come to the little Rangers, little Caleb, uh, Bree, Teresa, Joe. What a what a trophy of grace this little boy is. We uh, we just uh, pray for him. We, as you guys plan to go to Texas, we we uh, we're gonna miss you. If it, uh, we love you, we care for you, and we uh, we take this blessing with him. And, uh, Lord, we do, we do pray for the Loranger family, that you would just bless, that you'd continue to guide and encourage and strengthen, and, and uh, Lord, that they would know of your love. Uh, little Caleb, we lift his life to you. We ask you to guide and encourage this little one, and uh, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. And we have the Saxes, who have... Misha and Zane with us today, and Zane wants out. Hey, do you want to come? Can I hold you? No? no? Are we pushing it? I don't know if I'm asking today. It's okay. All right. Um, so um, let's, let's pray over these, these fine two young ones. Dear Lord God, we, we thank you so much for Misha and Zane. God, we thank you for, um, God, not just the gift of life, but also the, the saxes and, and how they've already poured into these fine young men. And, and uh, God, we just pray that, that as they grow up, as they mature, God, that they mature in you. And that that, that is where uh, they look to for uh, for truth and, and for ultimately love and, 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 and just a purpose, God. And, and uh, we continue to lift up Trevor and Cammie and, and their whole family, God, that they would um, just be in, empowered and encouraged, God, to continue to sow your truth uh, into these two lives. And we, uh, we just lift uh, up, God, all, all these kids... God, as, as a church, we lift them up that, um, God, that we too would know them and be able to pour into their life and be able to love and care for them and, uh, and just support all these families as well. Amen. 
Amen. Thank you, guys. On, on, on behalf of Oak Ridge, we just want to um, give you guys some gifts that will hopefully help you guys as you, uh, as you raise these young kiddos up. So if you want to grab a stack there. Oh, there we go. Here we go. So these are some cool Bible basic uh, books for the, for the kids. They might also be edible. Here we go. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you. Congregation, would you, would you mind and just uh, join me in a round of applause for these fine families and their lives? Well, good morning, church. My name is uh, Eric Simpson. I'm part of the teaching team here at Oak Ridge. Uh, we've been here for probably, probably know, close to 10 years, and that uh, baby dedication is a reminder uh, that we've seen year after year that this church is good at babies. I'll just leave it at that. There's always a lot of uh, young babies in this church, and it's just great, great to see that continue. Well, uh, last week, if you guys were here or if not, uh, we started a new series in which we're simply calling uh, Go. And, and the heart behind uh, this series and uh, what we're going to cover over the next few weeks to come is kind of this, this reboot, this refocus of our church on the Great Commission of joining Jesus in making disciples, as the tagline for the series says. We want to we take a, a new, a fresh look at this command of Christ to make disciples, to make followers of Jesus as we go in our lives. And really the pastors and the leaders of our church want this to become more and more the air that we breathe in and out here. And we want this, this series to kind of be this, this start in a, a shift in our culture towards becoming a church that is more and more focused on fulfilling our role, our part of this great commission that Christ gave to his followers. So last week, uh, Pastor Burke Wilson, one of the granddads up here on the stage a minute ago, uh, he's from Grace Church in Raleigh, North Carolina, and he came and, and shared with us and started kicking off our series by showing us that from Genesis to Revelation, throughout all of Scripture, that it's the will of God to get the gospel to all peoples, all nations, all tribes, all tongues. And this, starting this week and the next week, we're going to spend two weeks looking at our identity as Christ followers, and then we're going to kind of start to get into some of the, the practical part of what it means to make disciples, trying to figure out who it is we should be sharing the gospel with, and then how we go about in our day-to-day -day lives doing that, and then what comes next as they seek to become disciples. And so, you know, just right up front, to, if you've been around church for a while, what we're going to be covering in this series is really probably nothing new to you. Like you've probably heard it before, you've probably read it in scripture for yourself. And like th this series is not leading to some silver bullet answer at the end, but really it's about trying to serve as a catalyst for a renewed focus in our lives that we, we hope and we want to extend beyond just a sermon series and to weave its way into and infiltrate all that we are as a church body together. And so we're going to start to take some practical steps towards that in the weeks to come. And so I want to start this morning by just looking back real quick at uh, something that Burke shared with us last week. And again, he said that it's, it's the will of God is to get the gospel to all people. That the gospel of Jesus Christ not only saves us from sin and from eternal death, but it invites us to join God and others to accomplish his will. I just love that. Like, what an amazing reality you and I are caught up in as followers of Christ. That the good news is not just that God saves us from eternal separation uh, from him, but that he's also inviting us in to accomplish his will with 
others and what he's doing in this world as far as getting the gospel to all peoples. And so the question that uh, Burke left us with last week was how will you respond to his invitation to pursue, pursue his will? How will you respond to God's invitation, his calling on your life to, to share the gospel and to make disciples? Did you spend any time thinking about that this week, following our time together last Sunday? Well, for me, as I was thinking about this and wrestling with it this week, I, I kind of added a, a sub-question to his question. Because for me, I need to decide, yes, am I going to do that? But again, this is not the first time that, that I've been called into this, that I've heard about the Great Commission, right? So, so my question, and maybe you have the same consideration this morning, but my question for myself is how is it going to be different this time? Right? If we've heard this before, and yet it still is an area of our lives and our church that we want to grow in and we want to see God move in, what are we going to do different this time around? You see, I think when we, when we hear messages uh, like last week and like we're going to hear uh, in the weeks to come, there can be kind of this spectrum or range of, of how we find ourselves responding, Right? Like on, on one side, we can, we can hear these words, these callings from Christ, and we can get a good conviction in our hearts from the Spirit of God to join in with what he's doing. But on the other end, we can start to feel some guilt around that and some inadequacy or some, some nervousness in our own life that's probably not from Christ, right? Or, or we, can, we can begin to feel like maybe we want to do it, but we're just, we're just paralyzed and we're, or we're scared. We don't feel equipped to answer this calling of Jesus, or on the other side, we're like, let's go right now. Like, let's all just leave this room right now and go over there, right? And let's do it, right? So these are kind of the, the different ends of the spectrum that we can find our internal tensions leading towards and also in our interactions with others. And so I think to help us respond rightly to God's calling, I think we need to pause for a minute and lift our eyes above ourselves and put them back on God and what he's accomplished for us in Jesus Christ. We need to be remembered of that and put our eyes on that first. But before we start making a list of what to do and focusing on our, on our own efforts and sharing the gospels and, and making disciples, we need to rest in the fact of who God is and our identity in him and who we are and let that drive and fuel what happens next. And so we are going to take two weeks to look at this area of, of identity and who we are in Christ. Today our focus is going to be on the, on the authority of Jesus in making disciples and our identity in that. And then next week we're going to turn and look at how our salvation and our identity in Christ sets us apart as Jesus' ambassadors in this world. So why, why start this way, right? Like why start this series? Why not just get right into the practical part of this. Why start by looking at the authority of Jesus? Well, I think this is a good place to start because it's what Jesus did when he gave his disciples the Great Commission. Right? When we recite the Great Commission, I think we a lot of times we begin in verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples. Right? Like we, we jump right into the action part of the Great Commission. Right? I think what we may need to do is stop for a minute and back up a verse. Right, whenever we're reading the Bible, good Bible reading rule, right, is when you, when you see the word therefore, we should always stop and ask, what is the therefore, therefore, right? Like you've probably heard that before. 
And, and so the context of this passage, Jesus is, is with his 11 disciples. Judas is gone. He's with the 11. It's after the resurrection. It's before his ascension to heaven. And he's getting ready to send the 11 out on the mission of spreading the gospel. And he knows that by doing this, he's going to be putting them on a direct collision course with the Jewish leaders of the time that put Jesus to death for the claims about who he was and with the Roman Empire, which, you know, just for fun likes to feed people to lions that don't agree with them, right? And so, so Jesus knows this. And he knows that more than anything that they're going to be able to say or do as they move the gospel throughout the near known world, they need to be reminded of just who it is that is sending them out. And so before he tells them to go and what to do, the crucified, risen Lord reminds them of who he is. And he does this by verse 18 saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore. And so what he said to his disciples, what was meant for them, applies to us all these 2,000 years later. I think you and I need this same reminder. That the one who is sending us, that all authority has, given, has been given to him. And so whatever he says next, we can be fairly certain will happen, right? And so as we consider the implication of this statement on our lives together and as, as individuals, I think there's three questions that we should answer about this statement that Jesus is making. Number one is, who has given Jesus this authority? Right? Like, where did this authority come from? What type of authority does Jesus have when he's saying? Is this some kind of new or different, or what, what type of authority is this? And then what exactly is it that he has authority over? So look at the first question. Who has given Jesus this authority? Who gave it to him? Well, this isn't the first time we see a statement like this said about Jesus in Scripture, Right? Matthew 11 says this, all things have been handed over to me by my Father. John 3, the Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. John 13, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he had come from God and was going back to God, knelt down and washed the apostles' feet. In John 17, in the garden, Jesus praying, says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. So who is it that's given Jesus this authority? Right? God the Father has given this authority to God the Son. Ephesians 1 would say it like this. God raised him from the dead, and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And so in the Godhead, God the Father has given authority and rule and dominion over everything to God the Son, Jesus Christ. Okay, so our second question, what, what type of authority is this? Like, didn't Jesus, didn't God the Son always have authority? So why is he restating it here? Well, yeah, of course, right? We know that from all over Scripture, that God the Son has always had all authority. As part of the Trinity, he was and will always be God. So, so yes, absolutely, he's always had authority over 
everything. Like we see this in 1 John as a great example of this. I'm sorry, John 1, John chapter 1, which says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word there is, is Jesus, right? He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So, so Jesus didn't gain authority at the incarnation, right? He's always had it. And so this, this statement by Jesus does not, does not implicate uh, the Trinity as insufficient or, or say that any member is lacking in power or authority before Jesus made this statement. That's simply not true. But there is a distinction between the authority that God the Son had from eternity past and what Jesus the God-man is saying in Matthew 28. Jesus Christ, the crucified, risen Savior, now stands before his followers, triumphant over sin, triumphant over death, triumphant over Satan, and exalted to the right hand of God. He is, he is turning the page of redemptive history. He's ushering, ushering in the, the power and the authority of the new covenant that's been ushered in by his blood and by his resurrection. And Colossians 1 says it this way, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning. He is the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on heaven or on earth, making peace by the blood of his cross. And so, yes, God the Son has always had total authority in heaven and on earth. But on the other side of the cross and the resurrection, God the Father has lifted him up and he's placed the rule of the universe and the mission of the church to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth into his hands. Do you see Jesus this way? Like when you think about Jesus, do you see him as ruler and king of the universe? Like he, he's not little baby Jesus anymore, Right? He's not just a good moral person that came along and taught us a bunch of good things to live by and then died. And he's not a genie in a bottle that we can just pull out whenever we want something and ask him for it and he'll grant us our wish, right? That's not who Jesus Christ is. He's the ruler and he's the king of the universe. Like right now, this very moment, he's reigning and he's ruling over all things if you want your heart to be stoked by a, a more correct uh, image of who Jesus is, this, this crucified, risen Lord, go read Revelation 19 this afternoon and have your heart stoked with who our Lord is. He rules over all things. All authority is his, and they're in his hands for his purposes. And so when he says all authority on heaven and on earth, like, what kind of, what specifics is he talking about there, right? It's kind of general language, right? Well, we probably, it's probably not possible to come up with a comprehensive list by definition of all things and everything, right? But a couple that I think are important for our purposes this morning that I wanted to go over with you guys. 
He has authority over all creation, right? It was made through him, and he sustains it. He has authority over all nature, from the calm, beautiful sunset to the raging waters and hurricanes. He has authority over Satan. Satan can do nothing without his permission. He is a dog on a leash fulfilling the purposes of God. He can yank him back whenever he wants to. He has authority over governments and history. No ruler has been set in place outside of the authority that he possesses. He has authority over all disease. Like, the coronavirus did not surprise him on the throne, right? He has authority over the sinful acts of humanity. All we need to do is look to the cross and know that that's true. What man intended for evil, God intended for good, right? And he has authority over the salvation of mankind. And he works all of these things. He weaves them all together for his purposes, for the redemption, the salvation of his people. And so when it comes to the great commission, right, to, to evangelism and to making disciples, he, here's where I think we need to pause and remember who Jesus is and breathe out and rest a little bit in, that, in those truths. Because how many of those things that we just covered do you and I have authority over that we can control, right? Creation, government, disease? No. Like, we, we wouldn't say that we have control or have authority over any of those things, right? So why is it then, when it comes to seeing people saved and sharing the gospel and making disciples, that we feel so much pressure and anxiety and like a fog, we just don't quite know what to do, right? I can't save anyone. You can't save anyone. This is good news for us, right? Like salvation, the regeneration of hearts, the bringing of people from death into life, the opening of spiritual eyes to the reality of who God is, and the faith for people to believe in it belongs to God alone through Jesus Christ by the work of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. He alone has the authority to make it happen. Here are some other words of Jesus illustrating this point. He says, the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them in also. They will listen to my voice. Do you hear the certainty in what Jesus is saying there? Right? And these are not dead words on a piece of paper that's 2,000 years old. Like, this is still happening to this day in these current moments. Like, if you follow world missions at all over the past, I don't know, five, ten years, however long it's been, you'll know that the gospel is moving in amazing ways in closed countries, right? Like, we're all aware there's parts of the world that are hostile to Christ. Like, not make fun of you type hostile. Like, we'll kill you and your family type of hostile, Right? And, and in these places, missionaries can't really operate in the open like they can in other areas of the world. And so Jesus is just showing up in visions and in dreams to these people 
and he's telling them in words from Scripture who he is. Like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the door. And, and these people wake up from these visions or dreams, and, and they're, like, confused because that's not at all who they think Jesus is. And then God leads them to missionaries who are over there who get to sit down with these folks and show them the words that Jesus told you are right here on this page. That's who Christ is. And it begins to lead them down a path of conversion. Now that's authority, right? You won't let my people in to share the good news. I'm just gonna hop the fence and come over myself and tell them who I am, right? That's the authority that our risen Lord possesses. Or a little closer to home, a mom in our church recently had a play date with another family uh, and their kids. And these two families have been, they've been friends for a couple years, just kind of doing life in different ways uh, together. And so recently, the last couple weeks, when, when they were having this play date, one of the first things this other mom brought up in the conversation was, um, can you tell me about uh, your church and, and what you believe? Like, I'm trying to figure out what's true for me and for my family. Like, wow, Right? And then this mom just got to spend the next couple hours just showing truth from Genesis to Revelation about who Jesus says he is and answering questions that this other mom had. Now, in both of those scenarios and countless others like them, people are involved, right? Like God has chosen for this to happen through us. And people are being faithful and they're walking alongside people and they're opening their mouth when the time comes. They're being faithful to this call of Christ to make disciples. But the words they say, the tools they use, are in his hands, under his authority, and he's already been working in the hearts of those people. You see, the crucified, risen Christ has authority over everything, and he's working it for salvation of the people that he's calling to himself, and he's building his church to the ends of the earth. He said he would do it, he has done it, and he's still doing it today. You and I don't possess the authority or the power to save people. Only God does, through Jesus, by the work of the Spirit. That is on him. That takes so much of the pressure off of us, and we can just breathe and just be simply obedient to what he's calling us as we're around people, and we open our mouth when the time comes. So why does all of this matter, right? Like, why take a week to focus just on the authority of the risen Lord? Because the sovereignty of God over the salvation of people and the authority and the power of Jesus Christ should fuel our hearts for the mission. Like, this is, this is not some, like, just in-the-sky theology. This is theology that we should be living out on the ground. Like, our prayers for people, our, our sense of urgency, our strategy, our efforts are all built on and fueled by knowing this is right in the center of God's will for us and that he's going to make it happen. Like, this is not an excuse for inaction on our part, just assuming that God's just going to take care of it, right? This is not an excuse for inaction, but rather is a calling into his mission that cannot and will not fail. Like, what else in our lives can we say that about, right? He's already at work in the hearts of people, and our role is to simply join him 
in what he's doing. Will there be bumps around along the, the path, the road? Will there be roadblocks? Sure, absolutely. That's life in a fallen wor- in a world. We're at war with the enemy who doesn't want that to happen. But when we hit those roadblocks or those speed bumps, we can know that even in those things, Jesus has authority over them and he's working them for his purposes. The authority of Christ in salvation should lead us into bold, courageous, joy-filled, hope-filled life and purpose. Like, what more can we possibly want out of life than that? Right? So think about this for a minute. How is your walk with the Lord currently going? Like, right now. This week, for the past couple months, like, are you bored in your faith? You have lukewarm feelings toward God? Do you find yourself focused and worried and anxious about the temporary things of this life? Man, if you want more meaning and purpose and joy and hope in this life and in your walk with the Lord, we got to get our eyes off of ourselves and lift them up to Jesus and what he's doing and we got to get in the game together, right? Jesus says in Matthew 16, whoever would, save, whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And so it's been my experience that this, this verse most fully comes to life on mission with others. Like, there's nothing that's going to clarify our, our purpose in this life and put put lesser things in their proper place than partnering with other believers and getting on mission for the gospel. There's something about being at war with one another that minimizes lesser things and problems in life. Like, do you want a, you want a reason to, to get up in the morning and, and read your Bible more and get to actually know and understand what it says on a deeper level? Man, get on mission. Get around people who are seeking, who are looking for answers, and let that drive you to the Word of God. You're struggling with your prayer life and to make a real connection with the living God? Does it feel cold and maybe most times you're not even quite sure what to pray with about? Man, get on mission. Ask God to show up and to show you the people that you need to walk alongside and to share the gospel with. To the young folks in this room, man, I want to just encourage you to grab hold of this picture of who Jesus is and run with this in your life. Like life just kind of gets more complicated as you go along, right? But if you get this big rock in the jar early, let that form and shape the rest of your life, this vision of who Christ is and what he's calling you into, let that help you make decisions along the path of life. And to my family, people who are in the, in the midst of, of raising young families and just most days can feel like a, a fog and, and one day kind of bleeds into the next and, you know, we just, before you know it, the month has gone by and you're just not even sure what happened, right? What if we recommitted ourselves to this and to begin to see every interaction we have at, at work, in our neighborhood, around the families of our kids' friends through the lens of Jesus' authority over the salvation of their souls. 
Like this season of life of raising family and kids has us around so many people because of all that we're caught up in with the kids. Like he's placed you, Acts 17, right? He's placed you where you are at that play date, on the sidelines of the game, on a walk through your neighborhood. He's placed you there that people would come to seek him and find him and know him. Man, what if we recommitted ourselves to seeing our daily interactions that way as we raise families? And to my brothers and sisters a little farther along down the path, right, that maybe you're, you know, you're hearing these couple messages and, and you want to get in the game, but you're wondering, is it, is it, am I too far down the road? Is this, will anybody even relate to me? Oh, man, you have so much to give to our mission together. So much life, so much wisdom, so much experience with God yourself. Please don't coast in, this, in the later portion of your life. We, we need you. We need you engaged with us to reach the people around us that God is placing us close to. And if you're, if you're not a, a, a believer this morning and you're trying to maybe just figure out who this Jesus person is and what Christianity is all about, I'm glad you're here. This, this is basically our cards on the table right out of the gate, right? This is who Jesus is. And we worship him and we love him because of what he's done for us, saved us, brought us back to God, given us a purpose and a meaning in life and a sure eternity and he's inviting us in to do the same, to reach other people. That's our cards on the table. This is the highest, ultimate purpose of our lives, is to worship and glorify God and to be on mission with him reaching people. And so I don't know, you know what it is that you want out of church and out of life, but I'm not really interested in just kind of doing church as an activity that we fill our schedules with, right? Like, I want to see God move among us and I think I want to be a part of it and you want to be a part of it and we want to join him and what he's already doing in our neighborhoods and across the globe you and I were created for this we were redeemed for this we have been given a newness of life and are ambassadors of the king for these reasons we're going to get more into that next week And so believing with all of our hearts and knowing with all of our minds that Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth for his purposes, and he's calling us to join him, therefore, let's go and make disciples together. Amen, church? So back to our original questions from last week and earlier in this message. How will you respond to this invitation to pursue God's will in making disciples? And like for me, and maybe for you, I need to more seriously consider how is it actually going to be different this time? How am I actually going to line up my life to make this a priority How am I actually going to more seriously pursue God in the word and in prayer, begging him to do this and letting me be a part of it? What's going to be different this time, church? Let's pray and ask him for his help. Father, we come before you. We love you. We worship you. 
God, the fact that you have made yourself known to us through scriptures and confirmed by the work of your spirit in our hearts, God, is just an act of grace and mercy that, man, I don't know that we, we marinate in enough, God. The God of the universe, King Jesus on the throne, ruling over everything, is also close and near to us. We thank you, God. We praise you for that. We thank you for making a way for us on the cross, Lord, that all of our sin and all of your anger towards that sin was emptied on the cross, and that you showed ultimate victory over sin and death and Satan by not staying in the grave, but by rising back to life again, and that you are moving and you are on mission to this day, to this moment, across the globe, looking and seeking for and saving people that are your sheep that you're going to bring into this fold. You will do it. Every tongue, tribe, and nation will be reached. And God, we just, we lay our lives down, and we want to join you in that, God. God, we want, to, we want to put the pressure of this back on you, the one who can, who can bear it, who can, who can feel the weight of this, Lord. And, and we want to just breathe out and be obedient to what you're showing us that's next, what's right in front of us. What do you want me to do next, Lord? We trust you in these things. We believe you in these things. And we ask for your help in them. And it's for your beautiful name we pray. Amen.